Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the In Off The Post podcast. Yes, hello, ladies and gentlemen, I am Daniel Bevan, and this is the In Off The Post podcast, changing up the intro a little bit. I hope you like that. We are different people. We've been away for a little bit, but we are back now. I'm, of course, here with Ross Dawson. Hello, Ross. Hello, Dan. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, hello. We won't go into too much detail about uh, where we've been, why we've been away, but it's been a very stressful time of year for us. We've had uh, problems with the studio, problems with snow, uh, but now it's lovely and sunny outside, and we've got a lot to say. The season has finished for for myself as as a Cardiff City fan, and I'm sure that you're all very much aware of what's been going on uh, in the Welsh capital at the moment. So we will be talking about that as well as other results in the championship. Uh, we'll also be talking a little bit about the Premier League and a bit beyond. So, Rossimo, give me your first topic of conversation. Yes, of course. So if you were somehow been living under a rock for the past couple of days and you live in the South Wales region, then you may not know that Cardiff City have in fact been promoted to the Premier League in the most Cardiff City way possible, drawing nil nil against Reading and then having the contenders lose three one to help them go up. Um so I wasn't at the game, unlike the rest of Cardiff, but you were at the game, weren't you, Bev? I was. I was surrounded by Liverpool fans. I wanna say welcome lads. Uh, it's <laughs> nice to have you back. Um I missed you. I didn't uh, but no, I, I've obviously, as a season ticket holder, and I've been one for 10 years, I uh, this is a very important moment for me. Uh, I feel like it was much better than the first time round. We went up, but we were in a different colour, and the club was just a shrill of its former self. Uh, and it almost felt a bit fake. If you look back at it now as a Cardiff fan, it doesn't, you, you, and you look at the squad photo, you know, it doesn't look like those are our players. Um, but this is a squad that, the whole team, the whole city has gotten around um, and they've got so much personality and yeah, just it just feels so much better and it feels so much better that we did it in blue. I think that is, uh, that's the main takeaway from all of that. <laughs> um, but I mean, absolutely, you're, you're so right to say that we did it in uh, the most Cardiff City way possible um, because we have got such a tradition of uh, messing up at the last hurdle uh, or, or making it traditionally incredibly hard for ourselves and Drawing nil-nil, giving Reading their first away point under uh, Paul Clements was just, uh, what can I say, that was was pretty magical. Um, But we've got a lot to thank Birmingham for. And I'd also want to give a shout-out to the Birmingham fan who now has to get a tattoo on his rear end of uh, Gary Monk's face. (laughs) So um, I'm reliably informed that Gary Monk is actually going to pay for that tattoo. Is Is that an actual thing? It is. Uh, I can <laughs> link it to you after the show. Um, I'm, I'm, I haven't got a lot to, of good things to say about Gary Monk or Paul Clements, uh, given their former connections to, to Swansea. But uh, lads, you did Cardiff good. You, you are heroes in the Welsh capital just this once. Just this once. <laughs> so anyway, take us through the game itself. But, or, or, the, or the day itself, actually. How did you start your day? Which pub did you go to first? <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good question because um, I didn't I didn't do that I, I actually 
uh, did the complete opposite. I know a lot of Cardiff fans went uh, straight out to the pub and tried to make a full day of it. And I did make a day of it in the evening, don't get me wrong. But I woke up as late as humanly possible, half an hour before <laughs> I was due to leave, because I was a nervous wreck uh, this week. And Saturday night, uh, you know, me, me and my housemate, both Cardiff fans, we, we just couldn't concentrate on anything. Watching football on, on the telly, as we do, you know, almost all the time. And we just talk all the way through it. We, we Honestly, we'd be a nightmare to, to listen to uh, if you were actually trying to watch the game with us. Um, but it was just pure silence because we all knew, we both knew what was on each other's mind and we didn't want to bring it up. In fact, we'd also agreed that we wouldn't say, uh, you know, go, uh, wouldn't talk about Cardiff getting promoted. We say, if Sunday goes well. So that, that was the kind of level we were at. Um, well, thankfully, Sunday did go well for you, just in not the way you hoped for. <laughs> That's true. I mean, the, the, the day, like I say, it started off me finishing, re- uh, sorry, waking up really late. Uh, we drove to the game. I had a pint to steady my nerves, but I didn't want to go too mad. I wanted to you know, still remember the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did really enjoy it this time. Uh, but th- it, was a, it was an odd one because we went into it knowing full well that a win was pretty much the only result we could have wanted or needed. We couldn't have imagined a team that, like Fulham, who had been on a 23-game and beaten streak, would lose to Birmingham. So we were, you know, no disrespect to Birmingham, but, you know, <laughs> they weren't exactly expected to win that game. So when we were there watching the game, it was very mundane. And then next thing you know, the crowd started celebrating as if we'd scored, even though, you know, Neil Etheridge had the ball in his hands. And everyone started looking at their phones and it was 1-0 to Birmingham. And then maybe 10 minutes later, the same thing happened, uh, happened again. And, but this time, it was actually uh, a hoax that was going around on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so it went round, and then there was a bunch of people, like, calming everybody down. And then a couple of minutes later, they actually did make it 2-0. So everyone went up again. And there were some people saying, is it 3-0? Some people were saying, is it still 1-0? And there's, there's been two hoaxes. What's going on? It was really confusing. And it wasn't until, and there was no signal at the stadium, it wasn't until half time when I rang my dad who was at home uh i was on i was on the phone to him he was like no it actually is two nil now so i was you know over the moon at, at half time i think everyone thought this is it we've done it all we need to do is just ride out the game uh having said that you know the cardiff players were obviously very aware that it was a a two nil uh result a, a latest score over in uh in, in the midlands and also um that that you know reading needed a point to stay up so the second half was a borderline match fixing it was very boring it was very back and forth cardiff had the much better of the chances and if they were on their full pelt i think cardiff would have probably run around that game three or four nil winners um but a point was good enough by five minutes to go it was i think at that point three one to birmingham uh, so nobody thought Fulham were going to turn it round at that point, and um, and the referee lost complete control of the game and there was in pitch invasion, <laughs> and, and then because he thought that they'd, um, you know, the, the fans thought that the final whistle had gone, which it didn't, uh, and then it actually did go, and everyone stormed the pitch, and it was a a great party, which I think some people, uh, as we recall this on Tuesday night, are still still out, which I salute them for. 
Yeah, I mean, thankfully it was a bank holiday yesterday, so I'm sure a lot of people are thankful for the day off work. But um, it seems like it it's not a proper like final game of the season in a relegation battle if you if a team struggling does not cheer for a for a goal that's gone in in a game like hundreds of miles away it just seems to be a a, a, a tradition in welsh foot in sorry in in british football and i seem and, and i just love it but um talk to me a little but a little bit about the miss the uh the the ghost throwing as they call it for Reading. Did, um, did you notice it in the game? I, I'm very sorry to expose you live on air, Ross, but to, have you not seen Chris Gunter debunk it? I haven't, no. Uh, it's, it's on his Twitter at the moment. Uh, I don't blame you because um, numerous people have, have actually talked to me about this and, and I've said, I have to say that it's not true. The line is actually on the shadow. So I don't, like, I, 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 looked, at, I looked at it for the first time uh, when people were talking about it, and I had to take a, tub- a, d- a double take, with that line that looks like another throw, uh, a, or, sorry, looks like the actual touch line, is actually the advertising board. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I, I didn't watch the game live. <laughs> I just saw the video on Twitter, and I was just, I, I, it, it did, it did, it did look to me like a throw-in line, but oh well. Yeah, it's a vision trick, isn't it? And uh, and I think Chris Gunter. Uh, phenomenally uh called this guy uh, some name on twitter and said that he lacked common sense so you know <laughs> yeah a lot of people want Carlos to sign chris gunter to which i say um i'm pretty sure mendes lang had him in his back pocket so if they want him just talk to mendes lang anyway um so moving on from the game do you think that well notoriously neil warnock has arguably not had the best record in the Premier League, but he has managed to turn around Cardiff's fortunes drastically in the last 18 months, given that he took over the club who was struggling with relegation, and now he's gained an automatic promotion spot with with the same club and more or less the same set of players. A lot of new names, but more or less the same side. But... um, do you think he changes his approach now? Do you think he's going to look at the Premier League differently or do you think he's just going to keep doing what he's doing? I think like like any good coach, he would look at his team now and and consider how they would fare in the Premier League in terms of the style of play. Um, ultimately, I, I don't think that Cardiff's current style of play, um, which was a lot more... Uh, one route one towards the end of the season uh, would be as effective in the Premier League, but they actually started this season. Uh, you know, if you remember, they won the first five games, playing a lot more direct um, and on the on the ground, but you know, still playing. You know, I, I want to say long balls, but they were by no means the the long the most long balls in the league. If you look at the, the chart, the table, or whatever. So, I mean. It's a hard question to say, but it'll be obviously based on the players that Neil Warnock decides to bring in. And and I, I do have confidence in him to bring in the kind of players that he wants to play the way that he wants. At the end of the day, it, make no mistake what he's done with that squad. Turning it round in 18 months is nothing short of a miracle. Uh, and even if 
you wanted to question his previous managerial record in the Premier League and look at some of the managers who are currently available and think maybe Cardo should be a bit more audacious. At the end of the day, Neil Warnock has to call the shots. If he wanted to retire right now and become a director of football, I don't think many people would really complain, me included. I would love to have someone like Marco Silva or what have you come in. But this squad is built the way that Neil Warnock wants it to play. Mm. No, Yeah, that's fair enough. So what do you think needs to be done to secure survival? Do you think it's literally just buying the right players or do you think something else needs to be done? Uh, the team spirit is is about as high as it'll ever be um, right now, naturally, when you win promotion. Um, I mean, when, when you have a player like Sean Morrison in the side, how can your team morale not be high? It's so true, and, and I'm glad that you point that out as someone who's not a Cardiff fan, um, because... he I mean, he's, he's become a cult hero of mine just for the videos I've seen of him on social media, and I'm not even a Cardiff fan. So I, Some I, less explicit than others, but... Yeah, um, yeah, certainly. I, I mean... I mean, come on, you've got to, got to love his personality. But it's not just him. I mean, they're all clearly friends. Um, obviously, as you said, it was a bank holiday. Uh, where, so they won promotion. We had the awards night on Sunday night. Uh, they all clearly went out, had a good time. And then, this is true, uh, you can see it through all the players' social media and whatnot. They spent Monday uh, afternoon together in one of the players' back gardens having a barbecue with all their families. Like this isn't this is more than just a, a squad uh, of individuals. This is a, a, I don't want to say family because it's so overused, but they really are like just a group of mates who went to school together who have kept in touch for ten years, and that's how that's what it feels like. That's what it looks like from the outside looking in, and and you know they're all clearly get they all clearly get along, and that's the Neil Warnock effect. That's what he does. If you look at all of his teams who he's got promoted, they're all really really in touch. Um, they all have you know, reunions together. Even the Scarborough club, uh, um, who he got promoted to the from the national league to to the um, to the football league. They, that was how many years ago? I think maybe twenty five, something like that. I mean, they still have reunions, so there's no reason why this uh, you know group won't. Mm. I mean, for me, Warnock certainly needs to spend smart. Because there's lots of TV money coming in, but we've seen first-hand clubs who may be in a similar position to Cardiff, to what Cardiff are going to be in August, have not like not spend their money wisely. I mean, if you just look at Stoke, for example, Jack Butland has recently come out in displaying Stoke's transfer business as farcical, which is quite remarkable, if you pun the rhyme. But... um. Yeah, so we we've seen firsthand that Stoke necessarily like haven't even even though they're one of the the best teams in recent memory to go down to be relegated. Like I mean, the caliber of players that they've got in like Jidan, Shakiri, Afalai, uh, Bojan, Joe Allen, they've got so many good players, and it's so weird to see them go down. But that clearly sees another issue come to the surface. So. Which leads me to transfers. I mean, do you give Warnock free reign over transfers as, as long as they give him the money to do it? Um, absolutely. Um, and the best part about Neil Warnock is that his transfer policy uh, is to not spend that much money. Um, I don't want to refer to Burnley too much over this because it, it's become a bit of a cliche at the moment. Um, 
the, the parallels between Cardiff and them and whatnot. I mean, it's 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 a warranted cliche cliche because they've just secured Europa League football and. When you look at that Burnley team before the start of this season, there's no one player that really stands out to you. That's true, and and also massive congrats to them. I, I'm very uh, happy for them. I think they actually deserve it personally out of all the the teams who have been challenging around that, uh, you know, sixth to tenth place. You know, the ones who aren't fighting for relegation. I think they are by far the standout team. Um, but they when they went up the first time, Sean Dyche was the you know still was still the coach and they he said then you know we're not going to be spending stupid money we we can't afford to we it would be ridiculous for us to do that they went down uh the the first year and then they went straight back up again because they went down and invested in good Premier League quality players in the championship. Not to the extent the Wolves did, but they brought in good players. I think Andre Gray was one of the signings of them who ended up being their top goal scorer. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Andre Gray hasn't exactly been a, a setting the world alight since then, um, but they sold him on for profit for £20 million to uh, to Watford. Um, so, you know, look, what what I'm saying is, is that even if Cardiff goes straight back down again, the important thing is, is that we're not... Um, spending 40, 50, 60 million pounds on all these average players on huge wages just because they're, quote, Premier League proven. Because that doesn't really mean too much if if they're not doing it for you. You know, um, and, and then if they go down, they're not going to jump ship immediately and go to another club. Uh, they'll maybe stay with us and we'll go straight back up again and then we'll have another proper go and we'll be better. So... You know, that's that's the way I think that Cardiff need to be going about it. Would you prefer for Cardiff to spend the Premier League money for obviously being promoted into like more in terms of ratio to infrastructure as opposed to players? Because if we take the example of Manchester City, obviously on a much much higher scale, obviously with the billion billion pound ownership they've spent a lot of money on players but they've also invested a lot of money in things such as training grounds like the youth academy and stuff like that would that be an area that you'd prefer more invested in rather than players um not in the immediate future because cardiff have already invested over the last couple of seasons um a fair bit of money redeveloping their ground and 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 um, well they, they train at the Vale, but the house of sport that they own and mm. and whatnot and, and and are helping young players develop our academy i've said this before on the show and i'll say it again was absolutely demolished in the year or so that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was at the club um and and it wasn't really helped um that Malky Mackay also i wouldn't say neglected it but certainly didn't uh help too much but but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was the the, the main issue uh, of that, uh, and then Russell Slade had to basically release a bunch of twenty three year olds who were in our under twenty ones. Um, so we're still recovering from that. However, there are some key players in our academy now who are hitting about nineteen, who it's a make or break year for them, and whether they are going to be released or whether they're going to be held on to. I mean, that remains to be seen with the retained list that will come out in the next two or three weeks. Um, so my my main point would be to, to focus on the immediate future rather than the, uh, you know, four, five, six years time at the moment. 
that that would be my main priority. If you're going to ask me, should I spend ten million pounds on a proven Premier League striker, whatever that means, or ten million pounds on redeveloping, uh, you know, team thing thing, it should be on the striker <laughs> for now. So, moving on to transfers and spending money on the players themselves, which 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 areas of of the team and which players would you like to see Warnock recruit this summer? Um, I think that there are seven key players that we'll we'll need. Uh, I, I could kind of go through them one by one if you back and forth. I think that's probably the best way of doing it. Otherwise, it'll be me talking for ten minutes. <laughs> um, so, if if you think Warnock's going to deploy Callum Patterson more as a number ten, do you think right back is an area you need to strengthen? Oh, definitely. Um, Lee Peltier uh, has received a lot of high praise from the uh, 18 months or so, uh, even at one point saying that if you gave him £10 million, you wouldn't be able to buy a better right back. Um, don't know about that, uh, <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, a a first-team right back is, is very key, very, very key. Um, without throwing names around just yet, they'll need to be able to uh, attack uh, quite well, but know their position. There are too many fullbacks out there right now who want to be, you know, right wingers, left wingers, um, and, and, and you know sometimes that that is a tactic. You know, you could play the the Chelsea way, I suppose, of of them bossing that that line, but that's not how we play. So we'll we'll definitely need a right back, um, and and to a lesser extent a left back. I'm a big fan of Joe Bennett. Probably one, certainly the best left back we've had at the club that I can remember. Um, in my lifetime, but we'll need some competition, I think, as well. You never know if Fulham f- fail to get through the playoffs. You never know. Ryan Sessegnon could make an appearance at left back for Cardiff. And oh God, no! <laughs> that's a joke, obviously. But I think I think fullbacks, especially in worldwide football, they've become more of a figure of experience rather than youthful excitement in recent years. I mean, you've seen with the likes of Danny Alves with um with Philip Lahm, even with Manchester United now, Antonio Valencia and Ashley Young are both doing really well as uh, in fullbacks, like as as they approach in their mid thirties, which is quite remarkable. So I think an an experienced fullback could definitely like solidify a, a solid defence alongside Sol Bamba and um, Mr. Morrison. Yeah, Mr. Um, and, and Morrison. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of um, people talking about Ryan Fredericks from uh, Fulham. I I don't. Th- I was going to say arguably, but I don't think there is much arguably about it. The, the best right back who has been in the division this year. If Fulham don't go up, I mean, I would absolutely love to to have him at the club. But whether he he would come up or not, I don't know. Um, I wondered if there was you know was going to be any bad blood between the Fulham players and some of the Cardiff players like there's been with other clubs but he did congratulate us on our promotion so um and who knows maybe he's trying to get a good word in just in case just in case I mean um, in in terms of teams going down in the Premier League there's certainly a lot of players that you could swipe from them I'm not sure if right is is it Kevin Peters who's the Stoke right back at the moment um Oh, I don't think it's Kevin Peters. It's something Peters. Although yeah, it could yeah. be wrong. The, the American guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't see why not. I, we'll have to have a look. Um, uh, I, I, I trust that a right back can be almost anybody uh, in terms of 
you know, you, you don't need to get, I'm going to use the phrase again, a Premier League proven right back necessarily. You could get one on the continent for cheap who's really, really good um, and, and, you know, come to Cardiff and do a decent job. Um, I'm not sure if anyone will remember this this, this name. It's a very obscure name uh, who Cardiff bought uh, when they went out the last time, Kevin Tierfield Catherine. Uh, nobody knew who he was, um, and he was a very odd, obscure player. I think his biggest accolade was having the longest name of any player in FIFA 14. Um, so <laughs> that's a genuine fact about him. But he was a good player, and, and he maybe not, you know, the best player in the world, but he was you know, a solid right back. There's no reason why someone like that couldn't come to Cardiff, but maybe not exactly. Uh, Kevin, uh, you can can stay in France at the moment. I think uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't welcome him back with open arms. Well, um, I mean, certainly from my perspective, I think Timothy Fosumens has been doing great work at Palace this season, but I, I'm not. I don't think we're letting you have him. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I, I mean, you could probably tell him more about, uh, tell me more about him than I could tell you. Um, but I mean, I don't know, is he going to, would he do a job for us, do you think? I think he's, he's definitely showing the foundation, like he's definitely planting the foundations that he has everything and all the potential in the world to become a great right back. I mean, he's fast. He's a great tackler of the ball. I think the one weakness of his of his game, though, however, so far is is getting forward, and I think that's why he's more been deployed as a, as a centre back for United over the years as opposed to a right back. But he's get getting games at, at right back for Crystal Palace has definitely worked wonders for him. Well, maybe I wouldn't be against that then. But um, talking about Premier League players who are on loan at um, Crystal Palace. If I could put together a dream of, of, of if money was no object, uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek would be <laughs> very high up on a list of transfers for me. Don't get me wrong, I'm complete. I've got my feet on the ground. I don't think that we'd ever sign him uh, on loan or, or not. But he is a total baller, like absolute baller, and and he's he's tall enough. Uh, to to be working in our system, but also good enough, you know, in the feet to be a, a, an improvement on what we've already got. But anyway, that's just me, just being a bit, you know, dreamy. Um, either way, so I've given you one answer uh, in, in terms of the kind of players that we need. Another one we'll move on to is uh, a goalkeeper. Now this is a really really contentious one because mm. there's a lot of people saying that maybe Neil Etheridge should uh, Neil Etheridge, sorry, should stay as our number one and. To be fair, if if that's what Warnock decides, I wouldn't really have many qualms about it. But at the moment, our reserve goalkeeper is Brian Murphy. I think he's 37 now. I, I imagine he'll probably retire because his contract's up in uh, up in the summer. Either that or go back to uh, to Ireland, which is where he was going to go before he came to Cardiff. Uh, definitely did a, did a shift for us. I can't fault the lad, but I, I don't think he's a, a reserve goalkeeper quality in the Premier League. But what is really important is that we get in a player who is able to challenge for that number one spot, um, that we, we don't just get a backup. Because if we just get an outright backup, I think that does it. It puts a, the wrong mentality into Etheridge's mind. He's already come such a long way from where we had him at the start of the season, where his distribution was very poor, he's very slow off the line, um, to, to now where his distribution is probably his biggest attribute, his best attribute. He's also a fantastic shot stopper. So we want to push him to 
to be the best that he can be. He'll also be the first ever Philippines player to ever play in the Premier League. So that's a, an interesting uh, little uh, nugget of information for you. But what what I just want is uh, not to go mad, but to, to bring in somebody who who is good enough to challenge for that number one. If I was going to have to throw in any names... Uh, Joel Robles, I believe, is out of contract at Everton. So he'd be a decent shout. Uh, and there's even a few people saying Tom Heaton. I think it's a, that's a bit unrealistic, but it's, I get on board. That one's, that one's definitely reaching. But, like, I mean, I've said to you at the beginning of the podcast, uh, or before we were recording, sorry, I don't know what the Burnley coaching staff and the Burnley goalkeeper and coaching staff are doing at the moment, but the last two seasons we've seen the emergence of both Tom Heaton and Nick Pope, who's 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 been incredible this season, both of which have actually earned themselves England call-ups in, in af- like after their uh, remarkable season. So I think Tom Heaton would be a great, a great sign-in for Cardiff, but whether he will actually go there is another question because there's not many teams at the moment in the Premier League who are in the market for a goalkeeper which is mad when you consider the the goalkeepers that are in fact already been relegated or could potentially be relegated and last year there were a lot of Premier League clubs after goalkeepers yeah yeah I mean we saw Everton recruit from the, the relegated Sunderland to buy Jordan Pickford for 25 million pounds so that shows how desperate they were yeah, of course, and, and you know there was Joe Hart who was off on the market, and he could have gone to a very you know a, a big number of clubs. Even Manchester um, City, who played who who paid a world a world record goalkeeper fee for Edison. Yeah, well, it, it, that's disputed because technically Buffon was more, but with uh, inflation. Yeah, either way, um, <laughs> I'm not going to get into that debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, and. Uh, you know things could change because Jack Butland's definitely going to leave Stoke. I'm not saying Cardiff will get Jack Butland, so but he could go to somebody. You know, he's, like... he's definitely a player who could slot right in on a top ten t- top ten team at least. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But he could go to someone like West Ham, and then who knows, maybe Adrian's. Or... But we've, we've it's we've, very we've, early. We've been saying for the past couple of seasons that West Ham are going to finally break this, the ceiling and get into a solidified top eight, top seven position, but they just never seem to do it. Well, I don't think signing David Moyes on was a, a particularly ambitious choice. Well, it, it, in the opening game, in the in the first decent run of games, he actually seemed to be turning their fortunes around. Qu- quite well considering that West Ham were among the 59,000 teams in the Premier League who were in the relegation battle before Christmas that's actually an actual statistic by the way 59,000 I mean if you look at Crystal Palace who are Crystal Palace are in 11th place at the moment and after the start of the season they had I honestly deserves a bit more credit than he's getting yeah for sure for sure yeah I mean he, he came in as a meme um I I don't know whether I'm recalling this correctly or not, but there was definitely, uh, in my mind, some people uh, wanting Alan Pardew back more than they wanted yeah, um, Rob, uh, Roy Hodgson. Um, having said all that, you know, Alan Pardew ended up uh, basically burying West Brom. Um, <laughs> Shout out West Brom on the, I think, fourth or fifth manager for the season. Interesting statistic, anyway. Yeah, but I, mean, I, mean, I think we're in the middle of this conversation about uh, Cardiff's potential transfers. I will give an, a, a massively deserved shout out to Mr. Darren Moore over at West Brom. 
I mean, he's basically rescuing the Titanic with a shovel at this point. Um, but and winning the, the Premier League uh, Manager of the Month for April on the same day they got relegated. Uh, although it's an interesting stat, I think that it just goes to show that he's genuinely doing an incredible job there. And if he doesn't get the job permanently in the second tier, then there is something terribly, terribly wrong. So th- th- this leads me now on to the last point of, of Cardiff before we go on to more Premier League talk. I'm going to play devil's advocate with you because we talked about players coming in, but do you think any players will go in the wake of promotion to the Premier League? Do you think any will not be able to handle it? And I think the the, the main topic for debate over the last two or so years has been Aaron Gunnison, and do you think he will finally secure another, like sign an extended deal with City now that he's playing at the level that he should? Or do you think he'll look for pastures new? There's a lot to pick from that question, uh, so if, bear bear with me whilst I entertain it. Uh, I'll start with Aaron Gunnison. If he doesn't sign on, I'll be gutted because it was going to be uh, an uphill battle trying to keep him. Uh, after all, he, he, from my in my opinion, for the last two or three years has been too good for us, uh, and he was brilliant in the Premier League the last time. Um, having said all that, it was kind of put to him. Uh, it will put sorry put to Neil Warnock uh, earlier on in the season that would it be a case of if you, if Cardiff go up he'll sign on and although he didn't explicitly say yes he just sort of said well if we don't go up he'll leave if we do go up he'll probably stay um, so I think I think he'd be silly to leave you know he's he's settled here his his wife's about to um, uh, have a have a second child. Uh, his first child was born here, so you know at the end of the day, he he is settled. And I think he's... I think he would definitely take on the prospect of another season with the Bluebirds, giving it another go before potentially moving on to another club. I think that would definitely suit the narrative in terms of his career at, at City. You know, unless he wants to go and get a massive payday somewhere else, and in which case, I don't think I blame him. He's been a massive and and he's been a fantastic player. Um, going back to what you were saying, oops, sorry, I just smacked the mic. Going back to what you were saying earlier, though, about players who are leaving, um, I, I very highly doubt Lee Tomlin has played another game, or will play another game in, in a Cardiff shirt. Um, it might be a case of waiting and seeing how he does over the preseason, um, but after his performances for uh, his former coach, um, Ata Karanka, over in, uh, in, in Nottingham, I, I imagine they'll come come in for him, and probably pay more than we paid for him. So that's a nice little profit. Gary Medine, Medine, uh, whoever you want to say it, are probably uh, as well has not has not uh, got a very good look in. I don't think that he's a, a Premier League quality player, uh, and it's a very very hard one to, um, to 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 wrap your head around. At the end of the day, Cardiff paid six million pounds for him, and if his—I mean, his contributions were good because he got a couple of assists and, and important goals. Um, uh, but although he didn't actually score himself, um, so you know, buying him for six, going up, and then selling him for three—I'd say that's good business. At the end of the day, because you're losing three million but gaining a hundred and thirty. <laughs> but you know, we'll we'll see, we'll see. Um, may, maybe he'll prove me wrong. That he can you know form a, a decent partnership because his problem is that uh, as a lone striker he doesn't really work then there's the other players who have been 
fringe. I don't think there's going to be many players who we had on loan who much as I thank Craig Bryson for his contribution, don't really think he'll make the step up. Same for someone like Armand Traore, Jamie Ward. I think they'll probably stay where they are. Um, Danny Ward as well. He's a good player, but uh, missed the second half of the season through injury. I'll be interested to see if he finds his way uh, ever playing at Cardiff again. There's a lot of uh, of these players. You know, Matt Connolly uh, couldn't get into the Cardiff squad, although uh, Neil Warnock spoke very highly of him constantly. Always said he was his 19th man, which is a bit of a kick in the teeth, personally. Um, you know, he always said, if it, oh, if I had one person who was injured in the warm-up, he'd be the first person in. Well, that doesn't really say too much uh, about him. But, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. By, this, by the way, is Matthew Connolly's fourth promotion uh, to the Premier League. And I wonder if he actually has uh, f- more promotions to the Premier League than he does actually Premier League appearances. <laughs> 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 Certainly didn't play that much when he, when he went up with us uh, the last time. But there's a lot of these players. Anthony Pilkington as well. Right into the card be a lot more <laughs> interesting because at the moment I feel like it's just me... Th- shouting names that people haven't really <laughs> thought of. Uh, but Anthony Pilkinson, you know, what happens to him? He had a, a almost nothing to, uh, part to play up until uh, after January, uh, where they kind of elected not to sell him, uh, and then popped up with a couple important goals uh, and important performances. Will they, you know, stick with him or, or will he be shot? It's, it's all very much up in the air, but there is certainly a lot of deadwood that needs to be cut from that squad. And if you're adding eight players, then I think there's at least eight that need to go. And there's been a major talking point about, uh, uh, well, I've seen you mention it on Twitter especially, but there's been a talking point about whether Marco Gruch will extend his loan. I mean, and there's a lot of complications in terms of contractual, like, eligibility, like the eligibility of signing another loan deal. But do you. Would you take him for another season? Um, I, I'd snap anybody's hand off who who offered that to me, personally. Um, you could tell when he was in the championship that he is a Premier League player, um, and I, I don't mean that in a in, in the sense that he was you know like bossing every game that he was too good, but the championship is an interesting league. It's an awkward one uh, because it's a lot more fast paced than the Premier League is, and it's also a lot. more um, uh, you get, sorry, in the, tra- in the Premier League, you get a lot more, and that's what he was expecting when he was playing uh, a couple times, and he did he did adapt by the end of it, and was a very important player. Um, so uh, yeah, I would one hundred percent take him out of any loan player that we had uh, for another year. I don't know. There were some people questioning whether we could have him on loan for a second season. I've never heard of of, of such a rule. <laughs> a... I think it's more of like. Because I'm not. Did he fulfil the 14 games required in his contract or not? Or will, uh, or he, will Cardiff he, be oh money to Liverpool for that? He didn't. But as it actually happened, it was sort of. Uh, I, I, well, I wouldn't say misreported. Uh, Warnock was a bit misleading about it. He was being a bit shrewd. Uh, he said that there was about 14 games um, in which that was. You know, we had to pay a penalty if he didn't play 14. But the, Do, I do remember how adamant he was about the fine and how he ensured fans that fans and Liverpool, in fact, that he would in fact play those fourteen games. As it happened, he paid. He played thirteen. Mm. Um, so what it what it ended up actually being, this is my understanding of of the deal, that instead it's going to be more. It was more of a 
he'll play X amount of games, and you won't get fined if you if he plays uh, X minus four number of games. He'll you won't get fined, you know, or you'll get fined less. So it's like fourteen, and Cardiff would have ha- wouldn't have had to pay any fine. Uh, maybe I'm th- I'm picking a number uh, off the top of my head here, but like say ten games, uh, then they'd have to pay less and less. Uh, sorry, more and more and more and more. Well, I mean, it's, t- it's it's definitely not unrealistic the prospect of him re-signing a loan deal with Cardiff, especially with how well Liverpool are doing at the moment and the fact that they've got Naby Keita from RB Leipzig uh, arriving this summer. So there's definitely or like midfield talent like it, in Liverpool at the moment. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets offloaded again on a loan deal and. I don't see why Cardiff couldn't. I mean, definitely got the money to do it now. That's true. And the other thing is that um, I mean, I've been chatting to a lot of Liverpool fans about him, and I mean, not exactly like there's a uh, you know an, uh, an abundance or, of the money or anything over here in <laughs> South Wales. Um, no, but uh, chatting to Liverpool fans, they they don't think that he'll have a look in there. Um, nothing to do with the fact that he you know is playing for Cardiff or anything. Just because their midfield has been so good this year. Emre Chan still coming back from an injury, although it does look like he'll probably end up leaving. But if he stays, then Gruwich has definitely got no chance of getting into that team. Well, James Milner's putting in world-class performances on a weekly basis now, which is unheard of. Also out of contract, but I imagine he'll stay on. Uh, he, he's too vital of a player for Liverpool at the moment, especially in the midfield. Yeah, absolutely. Even Gene Wilde Aldum, who I mean, come on, give him give him some credit where it's due. Scoring goals away from home, you know he's playing well if that's happening. Yeah, I think he was he was played as a more holding midfielder on the weekend, and he did he did quite struggle with that because if I'm not mistaken, I think Henderson came on off the bench, but he he's definitely one of those players that you can see in a more like playing in the centre of midfield, but being more of a box to box sort of player oh totally and then there's also uh, you know I think you've already mentioned Nami Keita coming back in as well um, and, and yeah look, look Marco Gruwich is a, a, a good player and uh, Jurgen Klopp has uh, n- numerous times said that he, he wants him he's got a, a future plan for him he just needs to get the minutes elsewhere that's also sort of where Liverpool's loan policy is a bit frustrating I can imagine for some Liverpool fans because there's a lot of players uh, namely people like Harry Wilson Ben Woodburn uh, and, and Marco Gurich to name a few who you're going to want to have good experience somewhere else before they come into the first team but then also there's a lot of clubs who are you know risking you know being fined if they don't play a certain number of games if they don't play and that's unattractive but Marco Gurich was you know, will be, I'm 99% certain of it, if he was to sign on, an important player for Cardiff. So I think a 75% uh, appearance as if he's match fit is something that they could deal with. Definitely. Anyway, should we move on to Premier League talk? Because while the Championship is over, the Premier League is is entering, well, it's, in fact, as we're speaking now, the final two games have commenced uh, just Less than an hour ago, Swansea's bid for survival took a a deep 
deep blow as they lost 1-0 at home to Southampton, which means that Southampton are looking likely that they're going to be saved this year. Um, Huddersfield are obviously behind them, level on points, but with the game in hand, in fact, but they're facing Chelsea and Arsenal this weekend. Uh, well, the Chelsea game is tomorrow night, I believe, and then they take on Arsenal on the weekend. So, a tough run, of fi- tough run of fixtures for Huddersfield, but do you, it's it's looking gr- like it's not looking good for Swansea at the moment. I mean, they do they do f- take on Stoke on the weekend, but it's definitely out of their hands. Even if they do win against Stoke on the weekend, then they need to rely on other results for their survival. But it seems as though the fact that this relegation battle in the Premier League this year has gone to the to the last game is only suitable given that how close the relegation battle has been this year. And I, I said to you at the beginning, oh, I also said to you before we recorded this podcast that I can't tell if in terms of the bottom half of the season it's been magnificent or terrible and the the relegation battle has been more exciting than the the race for the league title, which is quite weird. Well, I mean, it obviously depends on... on what you know uh, which angle you're coming at uh because uh, if you if you're a fan of the top 6 teams or any of the top 6 teams you're going to say that this year has been awful for you uh but if you're a fan of the, one of the teams you're in the relegation battle but managed to survive like uh, you know your Southampton or whatnot yeah, i actually think the season wasn't 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 awful I with mean, even, what, even what everton was faced. even everton were in the mix earlier on in the season and they've managed to pull it up to 8th it seems yeah. that the only the it's only been teams below seventh place that have not looked certain on survival. It's only been the top seven teams that you can say like they're not going down, which is it's really remarkable for a Premier League season to have that many candidates for relegation. Of course, and then you've got to look at you know one of those top seven, Burnley. So <laughs> it, it's an odd one. It certainly has been a really interesting Premier League season. I'm more on the fence of been great because you've got to see some incredible football uh some world-class uh players playing some world-class style football in terms of man city um and then and, some you know, not so world-class players also playing world-class football in terms of burnley shout out scott arfield <laughs> well it's definitely been a very um there's been a moral to the story i think with this season's premier league in terms of if you're a team like Stoke City who spend a lot of money in a bid to break into the top 10 or the top 7, then it's not necessarily going to go your way. Um, you look at Bournemouth, Watford, Brighton, even Huddersfield in some cases, they're all teams with, pr- with championship quality players, but they've still held their own this season in the Premier League, and I think that paves the way for definitely the teams that are coming up. But it's 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 been remarkable. I mean, I said... I, We've we've talked about Stoke City potentially being one of the best teams to ever get relegated until we researched the 2002-2003 West Ham squad, which if you don't know much about, just Google it because it's quite the squad and they got relegated. Yeah, you pulled that up earlier and I, I was quite shocked <laughs> at that. Um, you'd, you'd think pretty much that team, if they were all in their prime, would have finished top half of the Premier League quite easily. Um but yeah, this season has been has been odd. Uh, it's certainly been a, 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 an interesting one from a neutral point of view, which um, I, I will get off card if I promise. But the, that's the worst thing about going up is 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 
not watching the Premier League from a neutral point of view anymore. Every game matters to you now, which <laughs> it, it, it does suck because it is the best league in the world. However, um, I've got to give you know props to some of the you know these clubs. You know, Watford started the season fantastically well, then flirted with relegation, then managed to pull it out um, at, by the end of it. Club Puel as well over at Leicester did it was interestingly well. being linked with his departure from Leicester, which I find quite stupid. His, his style of football seems to get ragged on quite a lot, but a top eight finish and now looking like a, probably a top 10 finish with Leicester. Um, uh, I think that really speaks for itself, to be honest with you. Hmm. But, you know, either way, the, the um, there's a lot of players who will be uh, relegated from the, the Premier League, no matter who you are, who you're looking at. Who, who who will be t- picked up by the teams going up uh, or or even some of the teams who are staying up because um, they're I mean if Southampton were to go down their squad would just be cherry picked oh yeah the, um, the players that they've got you've got Dusan Tadic Charlie Austin you've got uh, Bufal yeah Bufal you've got Romeo you've got so many good quality players in, in, in Hoiberg Bo- of course Ryan Bertrand who I've sung the praises of for months now who's I think could break into a top 10 team easily oh absolutely and um, even someone like James Ward-Prowse doesn't exactly do the prettiest job in the world but he's a good a good player um, should we uh, I mean how much else is there really to say about the, the Premier League other than Swansea really need to um I mean, they would probably take a miracle by, I would say, by now. Uh, because, yes, Huddersfield have got to play Chelsea and Arsenal, but they also took a point off Manchester City. Uh, it was probably one of the most boring games you'll ever see. However, if a point's a point at the end of the day, and if they need a point for survival, 100% they'll go to Stamford Bridge looking for a point. So who are we pretty much decided on Swansea City being the team that will go down? I think so, and uh, I'm more than likely going to get uh, a little bit of stick for for being a Cardiff fan and saying that. However, I I am firmly on the side of this uh, idea that if there's two Welsh teams in the Premier League, that's better. And I know that's going to anger a lot of people. Uh, I I know. I wouldn't. I don't understand why, though. If you're if you're a Welsh football fan, why wouldn't you want two Welsh teams in the top flight? One tenth of the Premier League being Welsh is always something that we can brag about together, you know, humbly at Wales matches and whatnot. Um, football is more than just rivalry. Having said that, if we're on the terraces, uh, then I'll be the first to, to start singing uh, Blues are going up, Blues are going up, Jacks are going down. But uh, again, like I say, having said all that, you, you want to put football, uh, you know, rivalry aside for a minute. Just Just think about it. I want to say logically, but some people <laughs> will just take that as me being belittling and and and, and patronising. Just you know, think that if you if you've got teams in Wales promoting Welsh talent, at the end of the day, that helps the Welsh national team. And if you're a Welsh football fan, then you want a Welsh derby next year. That's all I'm saying. For sure. I mean, from a neutral perspective. I, I I definitely want Swansea City to stay up because even since the years following their promotion to the Premier League, I mean, if you look at the 20, 2012, 2013 season when you had the likes of Michu and the sides, they were the the massive breakout stars of the Premier League that season. And like you said, having two Welsh 
teams in the Premier League would work wonders for Welsh football. It would be the best thing to happen to Welsh football probably since Gareth Bale moving to Real Madrid, which is a massive, massive moment in Welsh football. But I'm slightly... Sorry, Heatherlink would have moved away as well, Mr Bale. As as ever, though, so we will take that with a pinch of salt. But I'm I'm slightly more optimistic. I mean, we mentioned Huddersfield's remaining fixtures... Um, you've said that they've got quite an impressive home record against the top six teams, which you right you said so rightfully. Um, but Chelsea, not just that, Arsenal have got a poor away record as well. It, it's almost like it's too perfect. Mm. Ch- Chelsea, I think, will definitely get the better of Huddersfield tomorrow night. Um, Arsenal, I think, have been on a decent run run of form. I mean, as we're speaking, the, in their last game, they beat Burnley five nil which is quite remarkable, and they'll want to end the season on a bang, definitely, given that it's Arsenal's last game in charge of the side. So I think Huddersfield, Swansea, they're not. It's, it's all not done and dusted as of yet, but they definitely, definitely need a win in their next game and hope that Huddersfield lose by quite wide margins in their next two. Mm-hmm. Uh Either way, I, I'm looking at this uh, Premier League season now in awe because uh, uh, last year, I think we can all say with a, a vow of confidence that it was very boring. Very, very boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of quality outside of Chelsea, it, it wasn't that good at all. And even if you look at the the quality in terms of winners now with Man City, many have lauded them as being the best team in Europe at the moment. And that's still up for debate. I mean... But, yeah, I think in terms of second and third place, I mean, you've seen how well Liverpool have been playing this season and they're still going to finish third, which is unreal. I mean, fingers crossed if all hope, if all goes to plan. I mean, I'll be at the Watford game on Sunday for the last game of the season, so hopefully we can finish it with a bang. But I'm fully expecting Jose to start a weekend side, given that we got the FA Cup final around the corner. So I'm not expecting too much from that game, but you know. But Liverpool have got one eye on the Champions League final, so I think you'll say that again. Sorry. Yeah, we broke up a little bit then for a second. Apologies for that. Uh, I think Liverpool have got uh, one. Right. I'm not a Liverpool fan. I'm far from it. Well, actually, that makes me sound like an Everton fan. I'm not an Everton fan, although I do support a team in blue. Um, uh, I, I, I would very much like them to win the Champions League. I would very much like that to happen. Uh, me so. Me, me less so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know too many Liverpool fans for them to rub that in my face. But Oh, you'll go. never hear the end of it. I I'll, won't. But either way... Um, should we touch on a little bit of the the playoffs? Because I mean, yes, going back to mm-hmm. the championship, I suppose um, we've got probably one of the most competitive uh, championship uh, playoffs uh, that I've I've seen in a long time. Um, being mm-hmm. someone who watches the championship a lot more regularly than most. Team, teams have definitely interchanged throughout the season in the playoff spots. I mean, you're talking about the likes of Bristol City, who've squandered their chances of promotion. They were, um, yeah, I, I don't want to rub it in, uh, but they were fighting for second uh, almost as soon as the season started and uh, even up in Christmas uh, and finished 11th. You know, I, I think that it may be testament to, to their 
fact they bottled it, which they did, but but also the fact that like how competitive this this year was. Millwall had a really good run, uh, put that together um, towards the end of the season. Ended up just missing out, which I feel you know gutted for because that would have been a a, a good story. Um, Middlesbrough have done remarkably well as well, and even Aston Villa, who who seem to have struggled in the Championship in recent years, finally looking as though they could get back to the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, and even Derby, who up until as recently as February were were looking to be uh, automatic promotion contenders, ended up finishing sixth. So, yeah, we've even got teams like Preston who were finishing just outside. We've got a very competitive. Uh, league, which mm. what can I say it, it is, is great for everybody. Um, but having said that, it is Fulham versus Derby and Aston Villa versus Middlesbrough. Ross, as a uh, a neutral who maybe doesn't know as much about the the, the championship um, as you do the Premier League at the very least. Mm. Uh, out of those, who do you, how, who do you call the biggest club? I mean. I switched that up on you last minute. <laughs> the biggest club or the club that I think is going to go up? No, the biggest club. Because as we all know, being the bigger club means a lot more in the championship than it does actually points. Oh, well, if we're talking about the biggest club, then Aston Villa, hands down. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I mean, historically, even in the in the early 2010s, you look at that Aston Villa side with the likes of Ashley Young, James Milner all of those players that it was a decent side um it's been really weird watching their downfall but if we're talking about teams who i think who i think are gonna go up then i've got to say fulham even though it's probably the obvious answer given that they finish in third place but i think they'll comfortably who they'll come they'll comfortably sweep aside their opponents and i think get through to the premier league yeah i mean on paper they went unbeaten for half the season uh, consecutively, you know, 23 games and didn't go up. That is more than unheard of. It's uh, frankly ludicrous. Um, so you'd say, anyone would say that they were uh, quite, you know, unlucky. Um, and, and someone even say they deserve to go up more than cup. But then, you know, point, points are points at the end of the day. The breakout star of the season in terms of the championship and Ryan Sessignon. He of won, course, he won Player of the Year for the for the championship, and as good as a midfield as you'll see uh, in the division, Alexandra Mitrovic ended up being a very very good signing for them later on because they they were lacking a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very true. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, Fulham over two legs will beat anybody. I I believe that wholeheartedly, and they will go through to Wembley. I'd be very, very surprised if Derby can can turn them over. Um, In terms of Villa and and Middlesbrough, I think that's a bit more of an even match, but I do expect Villa to to do that, to do them over. They they beat Wolves. I think a Fulham-Aston Villa final will be a really tantalising tie for neutrals to watch. Now, here's the thing, though. Last year, we had a Reading and Huddersfield final, and the Reading obviously nearly got relegated this year. Um, but it was last year, they were fantastic. They're one of, the, one of the teams to beat, there's no doubt about that. Mm. And two teams who last year played very good football, obviously Huddersfield went up, but it was a nil-nil final for a very long time, <laughs> I think even throughout, throughout extra time. One of the most boring you've ever seen. So I'm, you know, worried for the sake of this, uh, you know, 
tantalising final because I would have loved to have seen a, a Huddersfield Reading final when both teams actually wanted to play. But either way, um, I, I am massively digressing. Fulham and Villa in a final is great. And over two legs, Fulham would have beaten Villa. However, I, I'm, I'm inclined to say that Villa could have got a, a much better chance meeting Fulham at the final. Because, you know, when you get to Wembley... Anything can happen over one it's leg. A, it's such uh, an impressive thing. You know, I, I would have also said the same about Cardiff in, in the sense that they could have beaten Villa over two legs, but Villa could beat them in, in the one. Mm. All, at the end of the day, it is all about character. I don't think Steve Bruce is exactly the most inspiring manager in the world, but if you can't get inspired uh, by that, you know, uh, that occasion, then nothing will. And I think Villa have... I mean... In, in terms of players who have been in this position before, uh, they've got the best squad in the championship. For sure, mm. Wolves imported a lot of young foreign talent, and sure, there's no, nothing wrong with that. But in, in terms of you know players who have been there, done that in the championship, I don't think you can look past Villa in in, in that experience. Especially with the manager, because he's Steve Bruce is definitely a Premier League caliber manager, and he knows what to do and how to get to that level. Well, I wouldn't say he's a Premier League caliber manager. He's certainly a, a, someone who you could employ to um, uh, want to get you up, uh, and he's he's yeah been there, done that, as you said. But maybe maybe he's been a bit lucky with the squads that he has had over the years and the amount of money. But I suppose that's a debate for another time. For sure. So, are you are you agreeing with me in saying that Fulham are going to go up? I think Fulham will go up. If they don't go up, it'll be uh, quite surprising. But if it's a Fulham Villa final, I wouldn't bet too her uh, bet too much on Fulham. I, I would say the Villa are are to be to be a uh, you know wary of. And by our logic, if either Middlesbrough or Derby get to the final, then what a turn of, around of events that will be. Well, by our logic, we've just bigged up Fulham and Villa for the last five minutes, so it will be a Middlesbrough and Derby <laughs> final. And I can't wait to see Tony Pulis back in the Premier League. I'm, I'll, I'll be loving it. Right, I think that is a good point to round off this little one-off special of the Enough the Post podcast. It was a bit spontaneous because me and Ross just had a bit we wanted to say, and, well, a boring Twitter thread, I think, would probably not do it justice there was there was a lot to talk about uh whether you could expect this every now and again i don't know maybe you'll get lucky and you'll see a little bit more of us what i will say is that we have things in the works and we've got plans and we've, we've said this before it, it's been frustrating for us behind the scenes we've got a lot of things we want to get done and a lot of things that we want to uh to sort out to make the show better to make the show more regular for you but that isn't always how it works out but all i can say is come september there will be regular shows once again ross is there anything else that you have to say uh no just um stay tuned to our twitter at iotp blog follow me at our dorse underscore and myself at dan bevgerno and we hope that you've enjoyed this episode please feel free to tell us how wrong we are in the comments or on twitter uh subscribe uh, and also like if you're listening to this on soundcloud or whatever medium that you may be listening to this on who knows 
Uh, it could be could be anywhere. Thank you very much, and have a great evening. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.